Well, can I give a warm welcome to all who are uh, watching in this morning, either in this uh, Zoom service or those who listen into the recording on WhatsApp later, uh, or those who listen to our Facebook page, the recording there. We give you all a very warm welcome. Our worship is very simple and straightforward. We read from the Bible, we sing from the Bible, and a passage of the Bible is explained to us and applied to our lives, and we seek God's blessing on all of that. Our call to worship today is found in the opening verse of the psalm that we're going to be singing from, Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. We're going to be singing, and the words will be on the, on the screen for you, some selected verses from Psalm 146a. We'll sing the first large verse, then the fourth, and then seven and eight. Psalm 146a, verse 1, 4, and 7 and 8. You'll hear Sarah and Anselm presenting for us. Uh, you'll be able to sing along as you see the words. No one else will be able to hear you. That's cut off just now. So apart from God, of course, he hears our prayers. Uh, prayers. That's present to God. Hallelujah, praise the Lord now. Oh, my soul, the Lord's name praise. While I live, I'll praise the Lord's name. Praise my God through all my days. Maker of the earth and heaven. He has made a mighty deep, and all things contained within them, He will truth forever keep. For an as the Lord takes care of, widows, orphans, he'll support. But the way of all the wicked, he will turn aside and thwart. Yes, the Lord will reign forever. Zion, your own God, he is. Through unending generations, Hallelujah, give him praise. Well, let's uh, pray together and I'll lead us as we pray. Heavenly Father, we draw near into your presence this morning in and through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Redeemer of men. We come worshiping and adore you for the great and glorious God that you are. You are the one true and living God, the God who is one, yet also the God who is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we acknowledge that you're the God who has made all things in the might and power of your word, and that you're the God who wonderfully and wisely sustains all things day by day. We rejoice that you're the God who's in charge of everything, that you're governing everything in your holy and wise and good providence. We rejoice that you're a God who's full of mercy and kindness, and you've given to our whole world another Lord's Day when the gospel of Jesus Christ will ring forth to the ends of the earth. 
We thank you that today will be a day that men and women and boys and girls will look back to in their lives, a day when they met with Jesus Christ in his word and by his spirit and received new life to believe on him and become followers of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we add our voices of joy to the cries of delight of heaven as sinners today turn to you and trust in your Son for salvation. We acknowledge that there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. We rejoice that your Son is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes unto you but through him. We rejoice in him who is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. We rejoice in him who is the life-giving water, the sustaining bread, the true vine. We rejoice in him who is the chief shepherd of his sheep and that today uh, in all the opportunities where your people have gathered together, either physically or online, that there you are by the Spirit in the midst of your people to bless. And so we thank you for that privilege that is ours today. We pray that you'd help us uh, amidst the challenge of worshiping you while we're separated physically from one another. But we rejoice that for those who love Jesus Christ, we are bound together by the Holy Spirit. And not only bound to our little group, but bound together with all your people uh, scattered across the continents of this earth and throughout history, those who have gone ahead to us now in glory. And we thank you for our opportunity to join with others in the worship of you, the living God, today. Bless all who have joined in live on Zoom today. Bless others who listen to this service. We pray that you would speak to us in our need. <clears throat> we confess, Lord, our sins before you. We ask that you would pardon us afresh from those. We pray, Lord God, that you would forgive us our lack of love for you, our lack of love for one another, and recalibrate our lives today by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, we're going to read together from the book of Psalms in our Bibles, uh, turning this morning to read together the words of Psalm 121. We began this little series last Lord's Day, and you'll see if you're following along in your Bible, that this particular part of the book of Psalms, that the Psalms all have a common title. They are called the Songs of Ascents, songs that God's people sang in Old Testament times as they went up to Jerusalem to the various feasts that God had put in place. We don't have to do that today because Jesus Christ fulfilled uh, uh, all those Old Testament feasts, whether it was Passover or uh, Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles all fulfilled in Christ, but we do draw near to him and uh, go up, as it were, to worship him today, and these songs are very fitting. Uh, <clears throat> I mentioned to you last Lord's Day that there's a, a, a theme throughout these psalms. Uh, there's a progression within them. Uh, in Psalm 120, we saw the psalmist uh, leaving behind his homeland. You could imagine him beginning his journey to Jerusalem, where he would worship God. And when we come to the end of this little section in Psalm 134, we'll see very much that he has arrived there. So there's that progression in these Psalms of leaving the home place and going to meet with God's people in Jerusalem. And if 
for the Christian, there's this pattern that uh, we journey a little while in this life, and uh, we're on a journey towards heaven, and by God's grace, we'll arrive there. I'd also said that you should look out in this, in this little section that uh, although there's a prog uh, some progress in the movement of these psalms from one to the next, there's, they're also grouped together in little groups of three. And uh, God was governing how these psalms were put together. They were written at a different time when, uh, they were, from when they were put together, but God was governing even how they were put together. And it's something you may not have noticed before. It's something that's been quite new to me in my studies, that even in this, there are little groups of three, uh, uh, five groups of three psalms that, that seems to be set out. Uh, apart from the last group, there's a particular pattern with each. In the first psalm of each of the little triad, there's a, there's a difficult difficulty or stressing time that the psalmist is leaving behind. That's in Psalm 120, 123, 126, and 129. In the middle of each of the little triad of Psalms, there's a focus uh, on the Lord and in his keeping, and we'll see that today in Psalm 129. It's the same in Psalm 124, 127, and 130. And then the third Psalm in each of the little triads uh, is the arriving in the safe place. God willing, we'll see next week in Psalm 122, arriving in Jerusalem. It's the same on 125, 128, and 131. So I, I share those with you that you'll see how wonderfully God uh, overruled in the gathering together of these Psalms, that there was a structure and a flow within them. But let's hear together God's word then as we read this wonderful Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Well, some of you have known this song a very long time. I've known the blessings of it for a long time. For others, it may be a new song for you, uh, unfamiliar words. Uh, but whether it's new or an old favorite, I trust that today we know God's blessing as we look at it together. The theme of it, very simply, the Lord is your keeper. It is probably the best known of the Psalms in this part of the, the Psalter, these songs of ascents. And it's all about a longing for security. And that's a longing that we all often have by nature. If you think of the many different security devices that you have in your life, whether it's the lock on your front door, whether it's some security for your future and a pension, we long after security. It's a song for us to study. It's a song for us to sing. 
And it's a song for us to share one with the other. In my years as a minister, I think it's no exaggeration to say that I'm sure I have read this psalm to God's people on thousands of occasions. And it has always built and bolstered the faith of believers. It starts with a question. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? It's difficult to know for certainty what he meant by this lifting up his eyes to the hills. It would be unwise for us to be dogmatic and say we know exactly what he meant. Perhaps it was simply him beginning his journey to Jerusalem and as he thinks of the long road that he has to travel and looks to all the surrounding mountains where there were dangerous paths, where there were bandits, wild animals, he, asked, he is perhaps asking the obvious question amidst all these hills of difficulty, where does my help come from? Or maybe the hills were not hills of danger that he was thinking about, but perhaps rather he was looking away into the distance and could already see Jerusalem that was settled on several little hills. And he's reflecting on his journey past and reflecting on all the ways that God has kept him. And as he looks now to journey's end, he is saying, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And he knows exactly the answer. Well, whatever the situation was, that this song, that it was given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and we'll see again this morning that it was not only for the people of God in that day, but it was for, for the Lord Jesus Christ himself when he was upon this earth. And it is for all of his people today. It's not difficult to work out the theme of this song. The word keep appears on six occasions in various forms throughout this short psalm. So it is a reminder to every Christian that whatever your circumstances today, that your Lord, your God, and your Savior, he is going to keep you in your journey from here to heaven. And the more we grasp the message of this psalm, the greater will our peace be, and indeed, the more our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, will be honored. I want us, as we look at this psalm this morning, to imagine what these words must have meant to Jesus Christ. He was the ultimate pilgrim. He had come on the journey from heaven to earth. And a short life of journeying in this world to be the savior of sinners and returning to his home of heaven. And you can imagine him going on that last occasion towards Jerusalem and most likely singing from this little portion of the Psalter, knowing what was ahead of him in Jerusalem, what mountainous ordeals there were ahead for him. And it is human nature considering this question, from where does my help come? And it's a question for us all to reflect on today. Where does your help come from in all the changing circumstances of life, in all the unknown situations that may be ahead? 
Where does your help come from? Well, this psalm is telling the Christian of the ultimate keeper and reminding us of three aspects of the Lord's keeping upon all who know and love him. Let me direct you to them as we work our way through this song. First of all, we want to think of ultimate protection. The psalmist has asked the question from where does my help come? And he knows the answer. And what an amazing answer he gives to his, to his great question. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The traveler is convinced that whatever comes his way, he's covered for it. Because he's aware that the measure of help is as deep and as powerful as the one who is giving it. If I said to you this morning, I'm going, if I could, in different circumstances, I'm going to come around and help you prepare your Sunday lunch. Or if some world famous chef was also going to say to you, I am going to come around and help you with all the preparations and help you make this feast. Well, it wouldn't be difficult for you to make your choice of what help. Mine would be of little help. Perhaps washing a few dishes after you'd used them would be the extent, but someone with great ability, well, that would be ultimate help. And the psalmist, as he, as he thinks of his journey and all the difficulties that were either before him or were behind him, he is reflecting on the ultimate protection that the Lord gives. My help comes from the Lord. And that truth would have simply blown his mind. This glorious title of the, of the God of the Bible, it's a title that has so many shades to it that are so rich and helpful. It's a title that speaks of the one who has no beginning and no ends. So the help that he gives will be non-stop help. It's a title that speaks of the God who has always been, who is, and who always will be. So this keeping from God will not only be a keeping for the past bits of the journey, but for the present parts of the journey and the future portions of the journey. The Lord is his help. It's a title also that speaks of God's love. This was a title that God revealed himself to as the one who would be the, the savior of sinners, who would send the, the savior. So this help is readily given to needy sinners. It's a title also speaks of the, the personal character of God, the one who's promised to men and women, I will be your God and you'll be my people. So this help will be personal and it will be intimate. The title Lord tells of, of help that is not earned. So this is a help that is readily available for sinners like you and me who are undeserving of God's help. My help comes from the Lord. And then he adds to that, who made heaven and earth. Could there be any situation, any hill, any mountain in the life of any 
Christian pilgrim journeying towards the heavenly Jerusalem that, that would be too big for this great God who helps his people. He's the one who made heaven and earth. There's no trouble in your life, Christian, that, will, that he's not big enough for. But this title maker of heaven and earth is not just simply a reminder of, of the might and the power of God in creation. It's a title throughout the Bible that speaks of him governing and controlling all things. So the mountains, the difficulties, the challenges are not there perchance in your life and mine. He is governing everything. Everything that comes to pass in our lives, all the mountains before us that, that loom in our pathway are on his watch. And he can handle every mountain we fear. Think of what this truth must have meant for Jesus Christ as he journeyed to Jerusalem. And he knows and he's aware on that last journey to Jerusalem of the great mountain that's ahead for him. He's got the mountain of the cross to endure. He's got the mountain of his father's wrath falling upon him as he bears the sins of many. And this stirred him, this strengthened him in his human nature that his help would be as God and his father who made heaven and earth. What a wonderful statement of the ultimate protection of God. My help comes from the Lord. How different for the person who's not yet a Christian. With all the mountains of life to have to negotiate. And they have to say, my help for this mountain is in my spouse, my friend, my skill, my leaders. Oh, it simply won't do, will it? They may be able to help us around and through some of the little hills of life. And we thank God for these other helps. But every human being one day has to face the great mountain top of death and meeting God. And there's only one way, and it's through Jesus Christ, the one who found such help in this psalm, the maker of heaven and earth. There is ultimate protection. But notice secondly in verses 3 and 4, there is vigilant protection. Perhaps you have noticed as I read it, uh, the change that there is uh, after we leave verses 1 and 2 and come to verses 3 and 4. In verses 1 and 2, the writer speaks very personally. It's I, it's my. And then when we come to verses 3 and 4, he moves to speak in the second person. You're, you. And this is something of such importance, this. The psalmist here is talking to himself the truths that he knows of God. We often say it's the first sign of madness to be talking to yourself, but not according to the book of Psalms. It's often the first time of gladness, the returning of joy and the returning of strength. 
to do what the psalmist is doing, speaking to himself and speaking to others, this glorious reassuring truth. And he's unpacking the details of the protection that's on offer from God. You know how it is when you get your home insurance policy or your car insurance documents. You've already spoken to the receptionist for a long time and maybe you haven't listened to all the details. You've got bored after about five minutes and when they say, I have to read you all this. But when you get at home where you print it out, you, you read the small details to find out what's covered. And the psalmist is beginning to reflection on the type of keeping that God has of his people. Maybe you've been up in the mountains, on a particular mountain where two peaks are joined together by a, a, a little narrow ridge that you could walk along. And there's a sheer drop to either side. And the, the psalmist may have had to negotiate terrain like that on his way to Jerusalem. And as he thinks of that frightening situation, as he thinks of that dangerous predicament that he has been in or will be in, he, he says these wonderful words to himself and to others, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. What a wonderful assurance. He'll not let your foot be moved. Of course, we know from, from the rest of Scripture, we know from our lives that this isn't God promising the Christian a dangerous dander to glory. It's the assurance simply that the Lord will get every believer to glory, that he'll get us from here to heaven, however difficult the terrain might be. What a reassuring promise. He'll not let your foot be moved. How reassuring this must have been for the Lord Jesus Christ. He has got the most difficult situation to negotiate in going up to Jerusalem. He knows all of the dangers. The temptations have been showered upon him all his life by the evil one. And those temptations will come now with renewed ferocity. And he's assured that his foot will not be moved, that he'll finish the course, and that none of the devil's schemes will knock him off. And for all who are joined to Jesus Christ, nothing will stop the Christian getting to heaven. He will not let your foot be moved. He finishes what he starts. Of course, it's not that we never stumble in the faith. Many of us can look back to times in our lives of stumbling and slipping. But I like the way Charles Spurgeon, a great Baptist preacher in the 1800s, illustrated this. He said the Christian life is being like a, on a great ocean-going ship you may slip upon the deck, but you'll never slip overboard. 
That's the vigilant keeping of God for all who are in Jesus Christ. He'll not let your foot be moved. And the psalmist is saying that we're sure of this because he who keeps you will not slumber. That might have been a little laugh at the little pathetic pagan deities around about God's people as they journeyed to Jerusalem. Uh, the gods of the people around about were local deities. And uh, they were known for not always being vigilant. You remember in the story of Elijah when he's dealing with the, the prophets of, of Baal and uh, he, he teases them and taunts them and he says, to them, maybe you should shout louder. He's inconvenienced. He's not available. It's not so for God. He never falls asleep on the job of keeping his people. He's vigilant. And that vigilance and that of God's keeping is screwed down deeper into the thinking of these pilgrims in verse 4 when he says, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. It was a call to God's people to look back, to look back through all of God's dealings with his people through the ages. All who are truly his, he kept and he helped them and he strengthened them and he delivered them. He never slumbers. He's always keeping. Christian, do you and I get this help of God in our hearts and in our minds today? Our Savior did. You remember when he was upon this earth? And he was with his friends on the Sea of Galilee in a little boat. He was sound asleep, no doubt exhausted in his human nature from all of his arduous activities. But he was also happy and content and calm that his God and his Father was vigilantly keeping watch on his life and he would finish his course. He was being vigilantly protected, and so are you, Christian. But notice thirdly then, in this psalm about this keeping of God of his people, it is nearby protection. That's particularly in verses 5 and 6. And there is, uh, in this psalm, a narrowing in uh, of focus with regards to the Lord's keeping. He said earlier in the psalm about the keeping of the creator, sovereign Lord. So great is an eye to the whole universe. He is mentioned by way of illustration that he's Israel's keeper. He's guarding the church through the ages. That's wonderful, isn't it? We can see it in history. We, we thank God for it. It's great and it's glorious. It's splendid. But we might ask or we might think as a Christian, what about me? How close does this keeping of God come? Well, in verse 5, the camera comes right down where the psalmist says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. 
what a wonderful reassuring truth for these believers. These psalms, you remember, were particularly sung by the exiles at this part of the Psalter, by the exiles coming back from Babylon, venturing into the unknown of returning to Judah and Jerusalem. And they're assured to a man, woman, and child, the Lord is your keeper. Can you begin to imagine of how the heart of Christ must have raced in his human emotions with this truth as Jerusalem looms larger on the horizon? The Lord is your keeper. He would keep him. He would finish the course. And Christian, this truth is right there for you and for me this morning. Whatever is before you on your journey right now, the Lord is your keeper. You can take that little phrase and you can put your name right into it, Christian. Maybe it would help you to do that. Maybe it would help you to write it out and put your own name right in that line. Lord is David's keeper, or Ozzy's keeper, or Ronnie's keeper. Whatever your name is today, the Lord, child of God, is your keeper. Well, we might have another question. How close will he get? If you had some particular need outside or some job that needed to be done just now, I could say to you, I'll come and help you. But I'd have to say, if it isn't a life or death thing, It'll be a rather distant help. Uh, it might be from about two meters away in your garden and doing things at a different time, so I'm distant from you. Is this a socially distant help that God is giving? No, look at what it says. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Just look at the imagery that he's thinking about. He says, the sun shall not strike you by day. Thankfully in our house, we seem to be through the season of uh, Pride and Prejudice and Emma uh, films in the evening. Gone through that little phase. I'm hoping there isn't going to be a rerun. And the, the girls laugh at my take. I say, well, those films are just about groups of ladies meeting in different houses, talking about some suitable suitors, and they move to another house. Well, I guess an even more exciting bit in the film, there's usually a stage where the ladies in all their lovely, splendid clothes are walking along somewhere in the bright sunshine, and the ladies will have a parasol over their right shoulder to protect their milky white skin. That's about the level of excitement it gets. Uh, but it's a wonderful illustration. It's not someone carrying the, carrying the parasol 10 uh, meters away from them. It's right up close to protect them from the, the heat of the sun. Well, how much more in Middle Eastern situation to this wonderful, vivid illustration? Perhaps in our climate, you could hold your shade a little bit further from you at the angle of the sun. But in the Middle East, it's burning hot and right overhead. And here's this promise of God that his help 
is right beside you at your right hand. It's up close. Or the other image in verse 6, nor the moon by night. The psalmist may be simply saying that this keeping of God is right close to you 24-7. Night and day. When you wake in the night, he's keeping you. When you're struggling in the day, he's keeping you. But there may be more than that here. It may be simply the psalmist uh, reflecting on the fact that in those times, there was an idea amongst people uh, in a in a measure of ignorance that to be out in the moonlight wasn't a particularly good thing, that as well as getting sunstroke in the day, you could get moonstroke at night. Uh, our word lunacy, for example, uh, uh, madness comes from the word lunar. So there, it may be a reference here that uh, people just were a little bit frightened to be out at nighttime. All of the imagined dangers, so it may be that what the psalmist is saying here, all of the dangers that are so very real to you and visible during the day and all of the dangers that maybe they're in the nighttime that are, are real or imaginable, he's going to keep you. He's going to watch over you in the midst of all that is frightening and difficult. It was true for Jesus Christ this near-at-hand protection. You remember when the heat of the sunshine of difficulty was pelting upon him and uh, on those final hours in Gethsemane, an angel sent from heaven. The Lord is keeper at, at his right hand and even on the cross, though deserted as he bore the sins of many, still loved, still kept by his Father, his work all accepted. Oh, the protection of God for his people is right up close and nearby. And finally, it is complete protection. You'll see it in verse 7. You see, this song doesn't peter out. It rises to this great climax. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You see, the keeping of God over his own people is not like some of the protection policies that we have, that there's always the small print. It doesn't cover this situation. It runs out at this moment. No, this keeping of the Lord of his people is a fully comprehensive, all of life cover. He will keep your life, everything about you. He, he's going to keep you. It's not a promise of being bubble wrapped. It's not an assurance we never get sick physically or mentally. Uh, Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. The Lord Jesus, the, the, the perfect pilgrim, had the most wicked things done to him. He was kept and he was preserved. So he would die for sinners and be the savior of the world. Nothing could stop the plan of God for his life. And that's the assurance here as this psalm rises to this great end. This assurance of complete protection and keeping. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. 
There will never be a circumstance to cause us ultimate harm. That everything that happens to the child of God is not a hindrance on the way to heaven. But even when it's difficult, governed over by God and made a help on whom. And it will never run out. It's from this time forth and forever. It's keeping it is with us at the start of our Christian journey, in the middle of our Christian journey. And as our Christian journey comes towards a close, and when we meet in heaven, the testimony of the saints will be the same. He kept me all the way home. Nothing is going to stop him keeping his church, not even this great pandemic that has engulfed the world. We rejoice in this glorious truth. We're going to be singing it together in a little moment. I know today that you can't hear the voices of one another as usual. But we are singing it, and we are believing it, and we're thanking God for it. And as ever, there is an unheard singer singing this song with us. And it's our Savior, Jesus Christ, assuring us again of his wonderful, glorious keeping. What a wonderful thing it is to be a Christian. How sad it is for someone who's not yet a Christian. Isn't this what we want as human beings? Real, lasting security. It's why we invest in policies. It's why we try to eat well. It's why we try to exercise. Those things are all good. But we need more. Because the great mountain of meeting God is before every man, woman, and child. And the only way to be kept from the heat of God's wrath against sin is in this world to have our sin removed from us as far as east is from the west. And that is only done by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And because he was kept throughout all of his journey to finish the course and die, there's a way for the pardon of sinners today and for the blessing of the keeping of God to be upon everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. The Lord is your keeper. We conclude then as we sing these words of Psalm 121. The tune is 88. Psalm 121, the words will be on your screen if you don't have them to hands on your phone from previously. Psalm 121, uh, we're singing the A setting of this psalm. Let's praise God together. I to the hills will lift my eyes, from where will come my aid. My aid comes only from the Lord, who permanent I pass made. Your foot in what let slip, nor will he slumber. Keeps. And 
Thank you for the truth of this part of your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit will embed it deep into all our hearts and lives. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of God, the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen. Amen.